Let's try that again. Good morning, Temple. Good morning. All right. Will y'all help me? Will y'all help me celebrate and welcome our Fairview campus this morning and all those watching on, on live stream this morning? Will you welcome them today? Amen. Amen. All right. If you'll remain standing, we're in Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. Uh, the, the, the four on the corners here had to sit down for the camera. So everybody else, that's why they're sitting down. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter number 10, and we're going to begin in verse number 16. Hebrews 10 in verse 16. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, say amen. 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 If we'll read, it says in Hebrews 10, verse number 16, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, I don't know about y'all, but we can shout right there. Amen. And y'all miss a real good time to shout right there. Amen. How many of you glad that God has taken your sin away? Amen. I will remember their sin no more. Amen. Now, you could preach a month right there. He says, because of that, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise, he sure is. And let us consider one another, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Let's go to the Lord in the word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for the spirit in this place. Thank you for the privilege that we have to come and worship you in a, in a warm building. Lord, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for remembering my sins no more. Thank you for taking me from where I was and putting me in a good place. Lord, I, I feel like the psalmist when he said that I, I, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my foot on a rock, established my goings, and put a new song in my mouth. That's how I feel this morning, Lord. You took me out of a bad place and put me in a good place. You took an old song and replaced it with a good one. I pray, God, that you'll help us today. Give us what we stand in need of. Use your word to edify your children. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Here in the book of Hebrews, we have a, a, a really awesome letter. Uh, Paul is writing to a group of Jewish believers who have been tempted to go back to their old way of doing things, tempted to go back to the old tabernacle. You see, the tabernacle was still standing. They were still doing uh, animal sacrifices. They were still doing it the old uh, Jewish way, the way that Moses had established in the Old Testament. And this is after the death and resurrection and the beginning of the church. So things have changed. And Paul is trying to help them understand that, that things are different now. Things are different now. But let me say this. It's not only different, it's better now. It is better now. 
uh, these, these Jews are being persecuted and they're being tormented and, and it would be so much easier to go back to a former way of doing things to avoid the persecution. I don't know about you, but I'm here to tell you, when you start your life with Christ, the moment you begin your life with Christ, things are going to get rough for you. Because the devil's going to persecute you, he's going to try to stop you, he's going to try to detour you, and you're going to be tempted to go back to an old way of doing things. Well, honey, I'm here to tell you this morning, what you have now is better than what you had then. All the way through this book, all the way through this book, Paul is encouraging them and exhorting them and telling them in chapter number 1, he said, listen, Jesus is better than the prophets. In chapter number 2, he said he's better than the angels. In chapter number 3, he's better than Moses. Man, Moses was very revered. And he showed in chapter number 3 why Jesus is better than Moses. In chapter 4, he's better than Aaron, their first high priest. In chapter 6, he's he's a better order. In chapter 7, a better covenant. In chapter 8, a better sanctuary. In chapter 9, he's a better sacrifice. Somebody say amen. Listen, he's a better sacrifice. Here's, here's what we got to understand. In the Old Testament, we learn all the way back in the book of Genesis that sin has separated man from God. The Bible says very clearly, he says, God's hand is not short and it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. But your sins have separated between you and your God. When man sinned in the garden, God came to fellowship. God came to walk with man. But man was hiding from him because sin had separated. Sin had broken the fellowship. But Jesus, listen, he is the forerunner. Actually, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament was pointing to the New Testament, Jesus. God took an innocent lamb and covered their bodies and took that blood and covered their sin. Now, all the language in the Old Testament is this. Their sins were covered. Say that with me. Their sins were covered. But that's temporary. That's not a final solution. That is just a temporary band-aid. Every single year after God established the tabernacle, every single year the high priest and only the high priest could go into the holiest of holies. We see the tabernacle that God set up. It was a, it was a perfect uh, 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 it was a perfect description of the tabernacle in heaven according to the book of Hebrews. We find when you go into the first area, the first tent, if you will, in that area was the altar of incense, the table of showbread. And, 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 and listen, in there we find the golden candlestick. All three of those were pointing to Christ. They would go in daily there. But in the next section, behind the veil, behind the veil was the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where the mercy seat was. That's where the presence of God was. That's where they would come and offer the blood on the mercy seat one time, one day out of the year on the Day of Atonement could the high priest go in and he couldn't go in without blood and he would offer the blood onto that sacrifice, onto that mercy seat for the sins of the people. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And at that time, they would wait. The children of Israel would wait on the outside of the tabernacle and they would anxiously wait to see if God would be pleased and if God would accept the sacrifice that they had made and atone for the sins of the people and cover the sins of the people for one more year. And when the high priest would come out, they would celebrate that God had covered their sin 
for one more year. Well, this happened over and over and over and over again, year after year. They had to offer that blood. Why? Because it could never take away sin. It could never make them perfect. It could never bring them into a perfect relationship with a holy God because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. That's why when Jesus came, he died on an old rugged cross. He died on Calvary and offered his own blood for our sin. Listen, not to cover our sin. The New Testament language is different than the Old Testament language. In the Old Testament, their sin was forgiven and covered. But John saw Jesus walking down the river and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. New Testament language, God takes it away. Listen, He has not covered my sin. He has remitted, He has removed, He has taken away my sin. Somebody ought to say amen right there. That's why He's a better sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats. It, it says, it says in verse number 13 of chapter 9, it says, neither by, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Say amen. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. What you have is better than where you come from. <clears throat> Don't be tempted to leave what you have. Don't be tempted to back away from your commitment, from your faith. He says, hold fast your commitment of faith. Hold fast. You have what you need. What you have is better. Being saved is a big deal. It is a big, this is not some religious activity that I partake in every week because I don't have nothing else to do. I have a wonderful privilege in the privilege of being a child of God. And three things I want to share with you, just, just real briefly, just real briefly. Um, we're practicing today, amen? <clears throat> it's a good way to practice, amen? Listen, listen, we have three great privileges of being saved that they didn't have in the Old Testament. And this is why this is better. The first one, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. One of the privileges that we exercise today in the house of God, we have access. Say that with me. We have access. You see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in that tabernacle, by the way, if you were not the high priest, and if it wasn't the Day of Atonement, and if you didn't have blood, and you went into the holiest of holies, into the presence of God where the Shekinah glory was, you would be killed immediately. You would die. You know why? Because they didn't have access. They couldn't go into the presence of God. They had to have a representative, which was the high priest. And even then, even then, he couldn't go but once a year. Access to God was very limited. But guess what? When we cross on over into the, into the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus, God's Son, was hanging on the cross. And the moment that He said, that He gave up the ghost, and He gave up His Spirit and said, Father, into Thy hands I commit my spirit. At that moment, the Bible says, the veil in the temple ripped from the top all the way to the bottom. 
That veil that separated man from God, that veil that hindered the access of God's people with their holy God, that veil was not ripped from the bottom to the top. It was ripped from the top to the bottom to show everybody it was God who did it. And it was not ripped so God could get out. It was ripped so man could go in. Listen, in the Old Testament tabernacle, the seraphims were crying out, Beware, stay back. Listen, if you come any closer, if you come any closer, you're going to be killed. You're going to die. If you don't come the right way and the right person, well, guess what? In the New Testament, you don't have to, buy, you don't have to worry about the right time. You don't have to worry about being the right person. Every single child of God has the privilege to come boldly into the throne of grace. We got access to our God. Say amen. Amen. Say amen. I'm trying, people. I'm trying. Amen. Listen, two things you have access to. If you're writing this down, you have access to God. You don't need a priest. You don't need a Sunday school teacher. You don't need a preacher. You don't need your mama. You don't need whoever you think is closer to God than you. You can go on your own. You all have access to God. And you don't have to make an appointment. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? You have access to the God who spoke this world into existence. You have access to God who said, let it be, and it was, and it was good. You have access to the God who, who measured out the mountains with his bare hands. You have access to the God who spoke you into existence, who dug into the ground and breathed into your nostrils and you became a living soul. You have access to that God. You have access. What a privilege. What a privilege. Because of Jesus Christ, you can come boldly into the presence of His Father, not because you're a good person, but because He is. He's a holy God, and we are sinful people, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, His righteousness was put on us. Somebody say amen. We have access to God. We have access to grace. Look what it says. Let me read a verse. Let me read a verse for you in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of... Everybody say it. Come boldly unto the throne of... That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Paul was dealing dealing with a thorn in his flesh, a very painful situation in his life. He asked God three times to take it from him. And God said, no, but this is what he said. My grace is sufficient for thee. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you right now, I don't know what your thorn is. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what your issue is. I don't know what your trial is. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's hurting your feelings right now. I don't know what's dragging you down. But you have access to grace to get it through. You have access to power that will bring you through the deepest valley you have access to grace that will get you to the highest peak you have access to the grace that got paul through his situation that got jesus out of the garden of gethsemane to fulfill his destiny on the cross that same grace is available to you today because jesus is better and a better sacrifice we have 
access. Somebody say amen. amen. Secondly, look in your verse. Let's keep reading. Secondly, if we keep reading, the Bible says, he says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. That's in reference to the holy of holies in the tabernacle. We can go into the very presence of God. Amen. Through the sacrifice of Jesus. Verse 21. And having a high priest over the house of God. You see, the privilege of salvation is this. You, you have the privilege of access, but you have the privilege of having an advocate. An advocate. Say that with me. You have an... Now, uh, I haven't never really needed a lawyer in my life yet. <clears throat> and I hope I don't have to. I hope I don't have to. But they're pretty handy when you need them. I've heard this phrase. I've heard this phrase. If you represent yourself, because you have that right. You have the right to represent yourself in a court of law. But the Bible says, not the Bible, smart people say it, that he who represents himself has a fool for a client. What's the point? You don't need to check out of this life without an advocate. Who is the advocate? The advocate is Jesus Christ. Y'all with me? Let me read a verse. Let me read a verse. Look what it says. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What do you need to know about this advocate? This advocate that I have, this, this, this lawyer that I have, this one who pleads my cause, uh, he is one who relates to me. Say it with me. He, he gets me. He gets, you know what, there's, there's several people in here, probably a ton, and I know there's a ton that don't get me, but there's probably people in this building right now I just don't get. I just don't understand. I could, I, you could try to, you know, I, I, I could try my best, but I just don't get you. But you know what? There's one that does. You know, we have a high priest. Let me read it. Same chapter, excuse me, same book. It says in Hebrews 4, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Why? For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. What does that mean? Jesus came and became human. He became human so he could relate to us. So he could be a high priest who could be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. When my heart is broken, he gets it. When I am in need, he gets it. When I am feeling helpless, when I am feeling broken, He gets it. He knows my weakness. He knows everything about me. I have a high priest in heaven who relates to my sorrow. He relates to my pain. He relates to my brokenness. He relates to my need. He is one who had no place to lay His head. He had one who owned nothing. Are y'all with me? He was the poorest of the poor, so He understands me. He's an advocate. See, we all talk about we all talk about Jesus' death. And we should. We should remember that. We should celebrate that. We should preach that. We should teach that. But listen, we need to understand he got up. It is important that he died for me. But it's even more important that he's living for me. Because if he stayed dead, we would all be hopeless. But he got up the third day. 
And he didn't just get up the third day. He went on to glory. And now he's working on my behalf. Now he's standing before the Father pleading my cause, praying for me. Somebody say amen. Do you remember when he was talking to Peter? Remember when he was talking to Peter? In the, in, 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 and he said, Peter, your, your, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. He said, I know you mean well, and I know you've got good intentions, and I know you want, to do the, you, you want to do right. He said, but your flesh is weak. But then he said this. This is a good part. But I have prayed for thee. Y'all not getting it. <clears throat> It's one thing for your mama to pray for you. It's one thing. There's some folks that's got praying grannies. And I'm telling you what, a praying granny can make things happen. Hey, you may have a great praying pastor or a great praying uncle, but there is nobody who can pray for you like the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is standing at the right hand of the Father. And he is your advocate pleading your cause. When Satan, the deceiver, and the liar, and the accuser comes, he said, did you see what Bill did? Well, Jesus stands up and said, hey, I'm his representative. I'm the one that paid for his sin. He belongs to me. I have an advocate who gets me. He relates to me. He not only relates to me, but he pleads for me. He pleads my cause. you got to understand something. You have an accuser. And he knows everything you did and what you're doing. And don't think he don't go to the Father to tattletale on you. But guess what? When he does, when he does, someone stands. I told you all before. The only time I really been to court was when I had to go with that fella to Judge Cheney. <clears throat> How many of y'all know Judge Cheney's nine foot seven and five foot wide? <clears throat> when he come in there with that 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 judge's robe on, that's the biggest human being I ever seen in my life. I was scared to death. My knees was knocking, and I was sitting in that. I'd never been in nothing like that before. The only one thing I knew was Perry Mason. Amen. And he had called somebody's name. But you know what? They didn't stand up. Their advocate did. (laughs) They were there. But this sharp-looking dude with a briefcase walked to the front. He said, my name is, and I represent. Let me ask you a question. Do you have someone in heaven? When the when the accuser comes and he tells on you, do you have somebody who will stand up and say, "Hey, I'm here for him. I represent her. I watch this. I have already paid for her sin." I don't know why. I don't know why you want to go back to what you, what you got now is a whole lot better. You have an advocate. You have access to God. But then watch what it says. Thirdly, and we're done. <clears throat> I'm enjoying it. Even if I am in the boxes. Amen. <laughs> Look what it says in verse number 20, 21. 
Well, let's go back to verse 23. Let's go back. Let's go to verse 23. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. How many of you? How many of you? Be honest. Be honest. This is, this is a rough time of the year. It's a rough time of the year for everybody. I don't know why they just, statistics say it is that way. I don't know. But how many of y'all have been kind of discouraged? How many of y'all would be honest enough to say there's been times you've been discouraged enough to want to quit? This is who he's addressing. Look what he says. Hold fast. Hold fast. Look at your neighbors and tell them, hold on. Don't Tell them like you mean it, not just, uh, come on. There you go. Hold on. Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now, let's all read this. Everyone read this. At the Fairview campus, y'all read this. Here we go. Let's all read. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Now watch, let's go back, let's go back, verse 24, verse 24, and let us do what? Consider who? Watch this, right after that he tells you, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. What's he saying? Don't be laying out of church. All you on the internet, at home. This is a heated building. They just all clicked off. I don't know what I don't know what happened. Well, I tell you what, preacher, it's just too cold for me to get anything. That's your problem. According to Paul, when you come to assemble, you're not supposed to be thinking about yourself. The word consider means to think. So, now watch this. Now, I'm, I'm going against a lot of years of preaching and indoctrination, and I know this is going to be hard for you because, ever, you know, my whole life I was growing up, everybody said, you need to come to church to get something. Well, I can't, I can't find no Bible for that. But I do see where I'm supposed to be giving something. I'm not supposed to be thinking about myself. Now, now let me say, I'm glad I do get something when I come. I do get exhorted, and I get edified, and, and I do get the Word, and that's great, and, and that's wonderful. But if that's what, if your mindset about going to church is, I go to get something, my spiritual tank filled, and then I go home, then you've missed the biggest majority of the reason you're supposed to be here. You're not just here for you. Let us consider one another. And there's two words he gives. There's two words that he gives here. Provoke and exhort. Provoke and exhort. Right? Now let's look at those two words. The word provoke means to stir up. It means to incite. What does it mean to, to incite? You ever, when, what's the only time you hear that word used? Incite a, a riot. Now, we don't need a riot in the house of God. 
But we do need people willing to come in and stir some people up. All right, inciting a riot is inciting to do wrong, to tear, to destroy. But what are we supposed to provoke here? Provoke unto love and good works. So what does that mean? The purpose of assembling today was you coming so I could encourage you to go do something good. Not just me, but one. Who have you stirred up this morning? Oh, some of you ain't even spoken to anybody. Shame, shame. And you at home, you can't because you ain't here. Right? Let me take away the myth. I don't have to go to church to be a good Christian. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Who are you going to stir up at home? Who, who are you going to stir I can, I can, I can have church on the lake by myself. Who are you going to stir up? No, you ain't. You don't caught nothing. Say amen. You're going like, to be like Peter. God ain't going to let you catch a blessed thing. Say amen. Am I right? You see, this this church thing is more than about coming and fulfilling a responsibility. God is not up in heaven with a a chalkboard saying, Up, he went today. That's not not what this is. God saved you. And he, he put God in you. But he left you in a corrupt, wicked world. Jesus prayed. He said, Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. Because how is the world going to be reached if you take the only salt and light out of the world? I'm going to pray that you keep the world out of them. And the only way we're going to keep the world out of us is that we assemble together. Because your spiritual battery will go low during the week. Because everything is being drawn from you. And the devil will pull from you. And culture will take from you. That's why you need to come back together and sit beside somebody that wants to serve God and honor God and stir you up to do something good out in this world. That's what church is about. That's what assembling is about. It's about stirring somebody up. Man, when you leave here, you ought to want to fly over hell on a rotten corn stalk with a water pistol. Say amen. And all God's people say it. I'm getting used to the squares. Amen. Stir somebody up. Listen, not only that, not only that, he said this, provoke unto love and good works. And then he said this, exhorting. You know what that means? Cheer up. Cheer somebody up. Well, I've been dealing with a lot of garbage lately. A lot of hurting people. A lot of, a lot of brokenness. I'm telling you guys, Satan is working overtime. And you know what? You know what we're called to do? Because, see, there's going to be day, a day when I'm down. Man, I, I, can, I can remember just a few Sundays ago, I was down. And I told y'all, if y'all remember, I said, I'm going to need you to be here for me. I didn't have it in me to encourage anybody. One of my heroes had just fell away, and, and I just, but see, then there's days I'm up. And you may be down. And see, we're here to assemble. 
We're here to assemble, not, not to get our name checked in heaven, but so I can consider who needs my encouragement today. Walk around the building. See if somebody needs you to pray for them. I was walking through the, I was walking through the hall, and someone, someone told me that they got some pretty bad news from the doctor just a while ago. I said, man, let's step right over here. And we just prayed right, right there in the hallway. You know what I was trying to do? I was trying to exhort my brother. I was trying to encourage my brother. Now listen, you, you didn't come in here. You didn't come in here just so you could sit down and go to church. You come to exhort. Now I want to ask you a question. Who have you exhorted today? Now, now, let me say something. I hope you don't get mad. <clears throat> I hope you don't get mad. I, I mean what I say when I say this. Why do you get upset when, when you're down and somebody don't do, encourage you or exhort you and you won't never encourage nobody? It's like the person who gets mad because nobody came to their party, but they had never been to nobody else's party. I don't know why I can't find no friends. Have you tried being one? A man that had friends must show himself friendly. If you'd quit looking like a wildcat, maybe somebody might talk to you. Be nice. Have an approachable spirit. Listen, have you exhorted somebody? See, you can't have church by yourself, guys. Don't listen to the lie. He said, don't forsake it. This is Bible. I'm not giving you my opinion. Paul said you're in danger of going back because you're forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. I'm going to give you one illustration. i got a minute and five seconds. There's a guy, young man from the church, just been dis, just disoriented with everything, kind of, kind of aggravated and discouraged and had been missing a lot of church. And he came to the old man of God. He was in, it was cold like this, and the old man of God was sitting in a chair in front of a fire, roaring fire, coals and everything. And, and, and he just listened to the young man as the young man began to tell his plight and, and why he was where he was and he was out and that's the church's fault and blah, blah, blah and everything. And, and he just doesn't, doesn't feel God anymore and so forth and so on. And, 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 and he's, you know, been missing church and doing all kind of stuff, but, you know, the pastor never said anything. And the guy just kept on and on and on, about 30 minutes worth. And, and, and the old man of God took the, the, the fire tone. He reached in there, and there was a coal in that fire that was just glowing red. And he took that, he took that coal out of that fire and set it over there to the side. Never said a word. And went back to listening to that young man complain. And that man, he kept pleading his case and why he, and he kept watching that, that coal. And that coal, it was bright red. And it got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And it got so cold that after just a little bit, the old man of God picked it up and showed it to him. 
and put it back in the fire. And when it got back in the fire, it wasn't just a few minutes. It was glowing red again. I tell you what, preacher, I don't, I don't, have you, have you slacked up a little bit? You know, you know, church is kind of like a, a motor. A motor will skip a little bit before it quits. Some of y'all get that in about 20 minutes. It'll dawn on you what I said. You see, this is, this, this assembling thing. It's not a duty. It's a privilege. It's the same privilege as access to God. It's the same privilege as ha of having an advocate in glory that's pleading my cause. Don't, don't miss out on the greatest privilege you have. And, and by the way, this is, this is on the other side of that deal. Guys, let's do what we're supposed to do when we get here. It's very easy to come to a big church and get, get lost in the mix. And, 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 and guys, now, now listen, I'm not going to make no excuses for you because we do it on purpose. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to go through Walmart and everybody in the world knows who you are and you're, you're, you're bobbing and weaving trying to... Some people do that. I don't know why they would do that. But church isn't the place you need to do that. See, I, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable. Somebody needs your provoking. Somebody needs your exhortation. Somebody needs your encouragement. Somebody needs your pat on the back. Somebody needs your attaboy. Good job. It's great to see you today. They may haven't heard that in months. Maybe they just need a smile. So, preacher, I'm shy. I can't talk to anybody. Can you smile? Can you try? Like right now. Come on. I see you, Kim. I see you. There you go. Don't you feel better? Give somebody a smile today. Exhort them. Encourage them. You might be amazed what it'll do for you Amen. and all God's people say it. Let's all stand and bow our heads and close our eyes today. Everyone stand. Bow your head. Close your eyes.